This is a podcast from the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law at UNSW. For more information, go to www.caldorcentre.unsw.edu.au. Good afternoon. I'm delighted to join you, uh, especially given the partnership agreement that exists between the Caldor Centre and the Refugee Studies Centre here in Oxford. I'm only sorry not to be with you in person. The title of my presentation is Governance Without Purpose? Question mark, grounding, Measuring and Influencing State Performance on Migration. What I'm going to present is a relatively abstract argument, but one which will hopefully have practical value. The very simple version of what I want to say is as follows. Before we can talk meaningfully about global migration governance, we need to identify its purpose. What are we trying to achieve and for whom? By way of introduction, the Global Compact on Migration, henceforth the GCM, offers an opportunity to consolidate and build a pathway for global migration governance within and beyond the United Nations. It's unprecedented in providing an intergovernmental process that can establish commitments and metrics around which states' expectations and behaviour can converge bilaterally or multilaterally across the economic, human rights and security dimensions of migration. That's the positive side. Behind the conception of the GCM, though, lies the implicit aim of enhancing international cooperation and improving global governance. But to what end? What is the purpose of global migration governance, and hence a GCM? Most areas of global governance, climate change, trade, finance, have a clear telos, mitigate emissions, abate impacts, reduce barriers, enhance stability. Consequently, purpose and progress are identifiable and measurable. But beyond epithets of being safer, more regular and more orderly, what is the better performance that a GCM is aspiring to facilitate through cooperation? What behaviour is a compact trying to change or facilitate? Given normative trade-offs across the security, economic and rights dimensions of migration and the contested domestic politics of migration, is it even conceivable to envisage a singular telos for migration governance without a more profound interrogation of these inherently contested purposes. This presentation explores the contested purposes of global migration governance in order to assess the extent to which coherent performance standards and metrics can be conceived for state behaviour, what role they might play and how they might be normatively grounded in ways that are not simply arbitrary nor based on underlying power asymmetries. The presentation covers three areas. One, grounding. Two, measuring. And three, influencing state performance on migration. Before I get there, though, it's worth being clear on how I see the GCM, a process that is still taking shape. In contrast to the GCR, the GCM is an intergovernmental, negotiated process, co-chaired by Switzerland and Mexico to be agreed at UNGA. The GCM has a mandate outlined in the New York Declaration to explore migration in all its dimensions. It is an opportunity to construct the very foundations for coherent global migration governance. Both compacts emerge from the same starting point. They were the result of an initial call for a comprehensive plan of action for Syria and the Mediterranean by the UNSG's then representative on migration, Peter Sutherland, and agreed in principle with the heads of IOM, UNHCR and OHCHR, which morphed into a global conference plan. 
Towards the end of 2015, UNHCR proposed splitting the conference to have UNHCR lead the refugee focus and the other members of the so-called quartet focus on the migration component. UNHCR's Assistant High Commissioner for Protection coined the notion of a compact for the refugee element with the aim of delivering for the September 2016 Ungerside event. Other organisations then proposed a parallel migration compact. Both were felt too ambitious to deliver by September 2016, and so the New York Declaration offered an alternative roadmap. In that sense, the compact process is iterative and evolving, rather than having been shaped by a single vision or a particular actor. Although the GCM's architecture is still emerging, we may know more in Puerto Vallarta, it necessarily depends upon a set of commitments made individually and or collectively by states. Such commitments may be principles or standards, but are more likely to be operational or target-based and likely to be made at a collective rather than individual state level. Such commitments might be packaged into modules or themes prevalent in the GCM informal discussions, such as migrants in situations of vulnerability, smuggling of migrants, trafficking in persons and contemporary forms of slavery, addressing drivers and root causes of migration, recognition of skills and qualifications, addressing irregular migration and legal pathways, or decent work and labour mobility, for example. Within each of these thematic areas, any meaningful commitment will need to be benchmarked against something. There will need to be some target and some measurable common purpose or agreed upon goal if commitments are to be meaningful and have a discernible follow-up mechanism. And this is where the tricky part comes in. What is it to do these things well? Rarely has there been academic or policy level debate on what performance means in relation to migration governance. And yet a migration compact presupposes an underlying conception of performance. The first area I want to cover is grounding performance. Migration is qualitatively different from other policy fields. It touches upon nearly all aspects of society and intersects with a host of other policy fields. It is also inherently political. By definition, it involves reconciling competing claims between citizens and non-citizens, between states competing over the same talent pools, for example. These competing claims are sometimes reconciled by power and sometimes by norms and values. But beyond that, migration governance inherently has different goals that are often in tension with one another, security, the economy and human rights. Sometimes outcomes can be win-win and lead to Pareto improvements that avoid trade-offs. But this is rare, and epithets like managing migration for the benefit of everyone risk denying the political contestation that is inherent to migration governance. If this is the case, what does it mean for how we think about the very purpose of migration governance? In most areas of environmental governance, for instance, there is a clear and obvious telos. Climate change involves setting measurable targets for mitigation and adaptation. There is, of course, a redistributive logic, but governance in this area is loosely based on established principles like the polluter pays principle. In trade governance, the purpose is to progressively reduce barriers to trade, again based on the logic that everyone is assumed to be better off with liberalisation as it creates growing opportunity for specialisation and comparative advantage. In development governance, the SDGs set a series of measurable targets, 
also based on underlying principles, notably consensus on the eradication of poverty. But we have not yet established the purpose, targets and meta-principles of migration governance. Does political pragmatism mean that we should compartmentalise migration into areas in which security, rights and economy do not overtly clash and defer concern over overall coherence for later? Does it mean that this is an exercise simply in seeking the low-hanging fruit of win-win outcomes? Or those areas in which those who stand to lose lack sufficient voice? Or, more ambitiously, is this indeed a discussion that needs to happen in which we consider the role of purpose in order for it to build an equitable, efficient and just basis for global migration governance? Stepping back, one might imagine three different purpose paradigms for migration governance. Order, contract and freedom, which for those interested loosely fit with the Hobbesian, Lockean and Kantian traditions within international political theory. First, an order paradigm rests on the view that the purpose of migration governance is to privilege intra- and intergovernmental security, building a global system that enables states to protect their own citizens. Following realist understandings of the moral purpose of the state, sovereignty and stability are likely to be the key values. From this perspective, desirable migration governance outcomes are likely to include reducing irregular migration and reducing human smuggling, for example. Second, though, a contract paradigm would derive instead from intergovernmental consensus. This might be in turn derived from issue-specific agreements or from the application of broader principles within international law or state practice, for example. Given the relative lack of authority and coherence of international migration law, there remain significant ambiguities within this intergovernmental consensus. So how and from where might it be derived? One option is to benchmark targets against accepted standards in other areas. The SDGs represent an obvious option because they're based on intergovernmental consensus. But they also require a significant and authoritative translation exercise to show how they relate to migration. Third, one could also imagine a freedom paradigm that would derive from a starting point of promoting liberal values. Analogously to trade governance, it would seek to work towards the gradual liberalisation of all migration controls through a process of negotiation and consent over time. Such an approach reflects the broad trajectory of migration management over time, with more freedom of movement for more people, but also risks ignoring the range of perspectives that value migration governance for non-liberal purposes. Elements of all three paradigms obviously coexist in any aspect of migration governance. My point here is not to suggest that the esteemed group of policymakers and academics in the room must operate within any one of these paradigms. Rather, it's simply to show that these lenses may dominate the perspective of particular policymakers working in particular areas. And even more crucially, it's to offer you three different lenses to render visible some of the conflicting visions that might underlie a migration compact. The second area I want to cover is measuring performance. The GCM seeks commitments. For those to be tangible, they must be measurable against benchmarks. Metrics are needed in order to assess progress in a publicly accountable way. Migration data has improved exponentially over time through the work of the OECD, IOM, UNDESA and others. But data 
is different from metrics. What's been missing is the development of established measures of progress, or indeed indexes that collate such measures of progress. There is notable progress on building metrics and indexes in the refugee field, for which the normative purpose is relatively clear. In particular, there are emerging attempts to think about how to measure various aspects of responsibility sharing, beyond Graal Madsen's notion of money and people per GDP per capita. Oxfam's attempt to measure responsibility sharing, refuge points indicators for refugee self-reliance, the Refugee Response Index all highlight embryonic examples of such initiatives. And yet, even in this area, refugees, in which purpose is relatively clearly established, there are still challenges. First, any index requires legitimacy. To be effective, it must have, have been compiled and, and be adjudicated by an authoritative body based on widely accepted methods. Second, there are challenges of equivalence and commensurability. How many resettlement places equal a $1,000 contribution to humanitarian aid? Third, there are challenges of scope. Should restrictive immigration policies count against commitments to responsibility sharing? These challenges are compounded in the broader context of migration, within which underlying purpose is even more contested. The starting point is almost certainly to disaggregate and begin to develop metrics for particular aspects of migration, and then gradually to consider turning these into more composite indexes over time. But the challenge cannot be indefinitely postponed. This is because compartmentalization means that progress against one metric of migration risks undermining progress of another metric unless there's systemic coherence in values. For example, an index on reducing irregular migration might be in tension with one on protecting vulnerable migrants. The third area I focus on is influencing performance. The aim of a compact is ultimately to change state behaviour. Different forms of institutional design will be more influential in particular areas of migration. In some areas, law and norms may be available. In other areas, appeal to reciprocal self-interest may be the basis on which cooperation is most effectively elicited. But all too rarely have questions of political analysis or literature on institutional design been incorporated into migration policy, and they're largely absent from the GCM process. Two forms of neglected analysis are needed. First, an understanding of what motivates state behaviour in particular areas of migration is central to changing behaviour. Second, an appreciation of available forms of institutional design in order to incentivize behavioural change is necessary. A body of knowledge already exists on when and how commitments can translate into behavioural change and the incentive structures that are likely to be effective. Indexes, enforcement mechanisms, soft law, ad hoc agreements, preference matching, identifying best practices, issue linkages, for instance, are among a myriad of techniques for influencing state behaviour. And different approaches will be effective in different areas of migration and with different groups of states. But even identifying which of these institutional mechanisms will elicit change depends on knowing and agreeing what kind of change we wish to see in the world. So to conclude, the notion of a global compact presupposes that governance has a clear purpose. And yet, unlike other areas of governance, the purpose of migration governance is inherently contested. 
It is a space within which competing claims are reconciled. Until now, there has been a reluctance to acknowledge the trade-offs inherent to competing visions of governance. How do we reconcile security, economy and human rights? Unless we openly and honestly begin the purpose debate, then commitments, metrics and mechanisms of influence, the key aspects of migration governance, risk being incoherent at best. Priorities risk being determined by power and agendas that do not have powerful factors like internal displacement risk being marginalised from the agenda. It seems likely that the GCN will initially involve a compartmentalised series of islands in disparate areas. But with a longer term agenda in mind, we should at least begin to grapple with questions of purpose. A compact worthy of the name requires principles by which we can collectively judge better governance. Thank you for listening.